Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. What's it like to go from interviewing the biggest athletes in the world to creating a brand new community centered around sports betting? You're going to find out from Cabby. Cabral Richards joins us next as Guaranteed Money gets rolling. And welcome to TDR's Guaranteed Money. To say I've been waiting for this interview would be an understatement. The man, the myth, the legend, Cabral Richards. Cabby, it is so good to see you. Of course, the audience knows you from your interviews with celebrity athletes, your work down in Vegas. It's great to see you and have a chat. How are you, man? Not bad. Thank you so much for the invitation and and, uh, thank you for the generous intro. I think it was generous. I mean, I like to pull the curtain back a little. We had some issues technically, but we're here and you're a champion for coming back on. We appreciate it. No problem, man. Again, thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to have this combo. Yeah, let's talk about this combo. It's about you, like mostly your journey, your path. That's why I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about me just being an arrogant prick that I am. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back in time to go back to the score days. Let's go back to the TSN days and the interviews you did with all these athletes and the mark you really set across North America for that particular style. Well, I got, I was fortunate because there weren't other people carving out space in the sports and pop culture lane that I decided to throw myself into with these random, not, I shouldn't say random interviews, but uh, non-traditional interviews where I was, you know, I, was, I tried to uh, semi-successfully like create a handshake with Derek Jeter. I hugged Michael Jordan uncomfortably for like seven <laughs> full seconds. I had this very cool relationship with Kobe Bryant where I'd always asked to stay at his house. It wasn't like reporters or interviewers weren't, in this space other than like talk show hosts and talk show hosts weren't really going into the field with these athletes. The athletes would come to the studio, whether it's Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien or David Letterman, usually after a championship or something. But I was, you know, every day, or sorry, uh, once a week on the score or once a week on TSN, I'd have one of these segments, whether it was cabbie on the street or cabbie presents. And here I am in the faces of these huge, a-list athletes or entertainers. I mean, I did an interview once with with Will Ferrell in the bathroom at an MGM hotel. Like we were there for a Manny Pacquiao fight, and he's wearing this like uh, this. He called it a Himalayan house cat fur coat. It was this decrepit fur coat. And said the only place I'll do the interview is in the bathroom. And I said done. You know, I was lucky to run with the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain, and I saw several people get gored. Uh, and I saw a dude who for sure did not make it home because his head hit the wet pavement. And then I saw like a bull step on his head to ricochet against the pavement again. It's, it, I've been very fortunate in my career. And I'll credit Bill Simmons when he was writing for page two at ESPN as the first person in sports to really integrate pop culture into his writing. But I wasn't really a Bill Simmons fan, but I was aware of his material, mostly because he's a Boston guy and I don't really like Boston. And I apologize to the mass holes that might be listening or watching this. Uh, but Bill Simmons was like the fir- the pioneer in this field. And then I, I, I tried to put my own slant in on interviews and carve a lane out in the same space. Are you ever intimidated in those situations? I mean, you were younger. You didn't have the swag yes. that you do now. But hugging Michael Jordan for seven full seconds, like what's going through your brain? What's going through your mind at that point in that moment? 
I just, I'm hoping that he enjoys it or he tolerates it. And then I don't get thrown out. Uh, we were on a golf course. I, I met him twice. Both times we're on golf courses. Both times I hugged him for as long as I could before he used his elbow to pry me off of his body. Cause I'm a, a, a fat, sweaty human. Uh, am I intimidated? Absolutely. Like Michael Jordan, he, he changes the air in a room. Uh, I would love to interview President Obama. And, I, and I've been told, Aaron Rodgers told me this once, that he is one of those individuals that changes the energy in a room in a good way. There, you know, obviously energy is contagious and transferable. So some people who have bad vibes will transmit bad vibes. You know, I, I've been fortunate that Jordan, who else? Um, meeting Will Smith, he had great energy. Um, and I was also intimidated to meet Will Smith. Um, who else? There's always like a few luminaries that, well, even the first time I interviewed Cope, it was, I was, I was pretty nervous because he didn't look like he was in a good mood. And by the end of the interview, he was smiling and I think he chuckled, which was like a victory for me. So yes, I, I still get intimidated. Uh, if I ever get to interview Tom Brady, it probably, I'll probably be nervous or Serena or if Cristiano Ronaldo decided to do interviews in English, then I'd probably feel, you know, a little bit intimidated to meet him as these are, I'm, I'm listing people who are, uh, the elite of the, the top 1% of the top 1% in their fields. How hard is it? You just mentioned Kobe and I hear that and I'm like, he's talking about Kobe Bryant. I never had the pleasure of meeting Kobe Bryant. What's that like from time one where you do an interview with him to time two? The second one has to almost be more intimidating, no? The challenging part is coming up with an idea and trying to replicate some of the the magic or the secret sauce from the previous time. So the first time I sat down with him for an interview in LA was I brought CDs for a sleepover. So this is in like 2006 and I brought, I remember brought bringing Jay-Z's The Black Album. I brought, uh, I think I brought another Jay-Z record. Um, what else? Uh, I think it was a Christina Aguilera CD. I brought a, like a variety of, of CDs for the sleepover. So the next time I, I was like, oh, I brought pajamas. I found these pajamas and I was continuing this through line of me trying to stay at his house. And uh, he rejected me every time. It was the Heisman the Heisman Trophy every single time, even though, and he was nice about it, but still, like I wasn't ever getting anywhere near his inner circle. So that's what, I wish, I wish betting was around. I mean, it was around when Cope played, but I wish I could like talk like parlays or, or, or like uh, home dogs with Cope in some way. I don't even know, or maybe we just talk about Vegas because I'm sure, you know, sure. he won five titles. So you you can imagine one or two of those celebrations were was a weekend or a few nights in Vegas with the whole squad and i'm sure going anywhere with Shaquille O'Neal is a is like a party worthy of a documentary or like a very very good story now you talk about Vegas let's fast forward a little bit on your journey you go from all of these fantastic interviews with these amazing celebrities and athletes then you make a quick pivot you go down to Vegas with one of the best betting content platforms uh, pretty much in the world 
Yeah, Bleacher Report. And and um, it was a trip, man. I, I was there for two years working for BR Betting, which is their betting portfolio. And I've had a professional jealousy, a, a huge respect for Bleacher Report as a media brand. The community is so engaged and the content that they create, like even the original content, like Game of Zones, that cartoon was was not revolutionary, but that cartoon was iconic and it was it was a viral sensation and their animation studios have all gridiron heights they all produce like great work but even the their ability to take to make content out of a steph curry like or a kevin durant clap back on twitter and then have like various threads like i eat all that stuff up and that's you know br why I'm not gonna why call do you why do you eat that stuff up the pettiness in the NBA is, is what makes it a 12-month league. And the pettiness is so entertaining because these, these incredible athletes are at times so accessible through social media. Some of them like a Duran or a Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Duran is the most famous who claps back. Or a Kyrie will post something just highfalutin and kind of weird. But you can access these players sometimes and they're right in the middle of the culture. I believe Malcolm Gladwell said that uh, uh, on an interview some, at some point, just like not to say that everything revolves around NBA players, but they're right in the culture of middle of, of, of mainstream. So BR, you know, as, as a brand, I love that stuff as a fan, just getting sort of behind the wall. And then, so going to Vegas, bro, our production studio was at the Caesars Palace Hotel. You lived on there. Thursdays, we shot a game show in the sports book at Caesars Palace. And on Sundays, we shot a traditional NFL picks show. I think, I think the stream was 10 a.m. for the East Coast. It was 7 a.m. in Vegas in the sports book, which wasn't really that full. But there were all-night poker games that were still going on next to the stage. And the smoke was kind of wafting over to the stage. Dudes in like shitty headphones <laughs> and glasses. Like you see in like the World Series of Poker, which was down the street at the Flamingo Hotel, which is a dump. But like you saw these, everybody wanting to be the, you know, Phil Hellmuth or the Matt Damon character from rounders or the Johnny chance. You know, yeah. Or Daniel Negreanu, like insert here, famous poker player. Like these dudes were on like heavy marathon games. So it, it, it was a trip going to the casino to, to work every day and then living there for a couple of months at the Caesars and the link across the street while I was getting my social security number and getting like finding a house to rent over the course of the couple of years. It was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was a trip, man. What did you learn about betting? You're living at Caesars palace. You've got obviously the bathrobe with the monogram CR on it. People are peeling grapes for you. Uh, clearly that's the life you were living. What did you learn once those yeah. grapes uh, were actually peeled and you yeah. were digesting them? It, it was awesome being at the Caesars Hotel. Okay, first of all, they gave me a tiger for the first week. I had my own baby, Carlos. I called him Carlos Ramirez because it wasn't the same baby from the movie, but I had, they gave me a baby for like two weeks, which was cool. And then um, they, they, they gave us the suite, the hangover suite, which was 
so filthy. Like it was just dirty. Just uh, dirty. But what I learned about what I learned about yeah. So um I learned that the slot machines are the most profitable. It goes I, the most profitable line item in the casino. Slot machines, then the table games, then the sports book. The sports book's the most exciting because there are there's like stadium seating and there's so many screens and all that stuff, but the it's the slot machines where all of America, like from I don't know, the state of Washington all the way crisscross to the state of Florida up to Vermont or New Hampshire, whatever's in the northeast of the United States, all the way to you know, the tip of California at the border of Mexico, like the like everybody from across the country would go there and sit at the slot machines, bro, like four hours. Uh, I also learned about sharps, like people who were so respected by the sports books that they may not drop 50 grand on a bet. They might drop 10 grand on a bet, but because of their reputation, they could move the lines half a point or a full point because the sports books are like, what does this person know based on their track record? I learned that. I learned about whales. I learned about Vegas Dave, who doesn't have a good reputation. He's one of these people. They're called a tout who sell their picks. You can get my whale play for $99 a week or whatever. And I learned about that side of gambling, which was, I was previously unfamiliar with. Look, before going to Vegas, I was a casual. I would bet on UFC fights. Um, I'd, I'd be in like fantasy pools. I'd bet on, on the Super Bowl. A few bets here and there on like basketball and, and football. But I was not as immersed as I am right now after two years in Vegas and my current job at, uh, at Sportsnet as a, the executive producer of betting content and strategy for uh, SN Bets. Are you down there rubbing shoulders with these sharps? Like, are you in steakhouses? Like, you found an inn? Like, I know you. Uh, you're, you're a smart guy. You're going to find a way. Are you meeting up with these guys at, like, the Golden Steer and that strip mall off the strip? I think... I think I only met one and I wasn't introduced to this person as a sharp. It was just a friend of a friend. And I was like, cool. So we had some drinks and casual conversation, but it wasn't, it wasn't in like some, um, speakeasy, like in the back of like the Cosmo or, you know, downtown Vegas in the, the golden nugget in some back room behind, you know, where uh, a certain set of, of slot machines are by the Daisy Duke slot machine or the Wonder Woman pinball right. game. It wasn't one of those. So I would, or next to like the mob music, it would have been cool to be in one of those environments, but sadly, um, you know, the coolest environment I may have been in was like a day party that the chain smokers were playing at. And I got, absolutely blackout which is still vegas at like 5 45 p.m you're still experiencing this trip you're still having a good time you're still doing your job uh take me through the experience of coming from vegas to coming back to ontario where we hadn't had the level of gambling that was you know present in vegas ever here in the province well the thing about vegas was when i arrived seven states had had legalized sports gambling it was nevada and new jersey were like the leaders and then i think Pennsylvania came online and Colorado and uh, a few other states, but it was every few months, a new state would come online with sports betting and mobile sports betting was really, really the key 
for the big books, Caesars, BetMGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, um, Barstool to, to get people to, you know, use the apps. Um, working at BR, man, just like learning about how they think of community and engagement and like entertainment. Like I brought a lot of those values to what I'm doing at SN Bets because I've, I've seen how well they connect with people. And, you know, gambling is fun as a social activity. People, you know, there are people who are just like, who operate solo and they, they run their algorithms and their numbers and they, you know, multiple screens. They're like these day traders, these retail traders with six screens in a, in their, you know, in their man caves or their offices trying to get an edge. But generally for the, for the public, it's like another layer. Those to people watch. are not fun. They're not fun people. Let's just say that. I, I only know one and he's kind of fun, but like really takes, his job seriously because that's how he makes money. That's how sure. he makes a living and trying to find it a half point edge here or there or a half point something in order. And, and that's significant when you're betting five and six figures on, on, on single games. You look at the landscape when you talk about Ontario, it's not a, it's not a new vibe, right? But it's a very mature market and people understand what sports wagering is because we've had it for years, but come April, everything opened up. Then you make your pilgrimage up here to SN Bets. Uh, take our audience through what that experience is like when you're trying to talk to a new market and you're not standing in a casino, for example. So I would say, I'm going to push back on one thing you said, Canada is not a mature market. We've had, Canada's had exposure to some gray market operators like Sports Interaction and Bet365, but uh, it is about five years behind the United States and about 10 to 12 years behind the UK. The UK being the most mature of the gambling markets. This is some research that I was exposed to early in the process at being at Sportsnet. So the pro so what is my journey? What has my last year been like? It's been, uh, it's been a challenge, man. It's sports betting isn't for everyone. And we learned after we did some more market research when people, you know, they were inundated with commercials, they, you know, 30 or so books are now in operation in Ontario and sending out all kinds of ads and promos and, you know, people are probably being exposed or maybe even overexposed on their phones or on linear TV. So there's a lot of there's a lot of competition in the marketplace, uh, but it's also really exciting. The people that we've been able to connect with at SM Bets are really into it and they really see us as like a fun hang. I love the fact that you've used the word community. Like you actually exposed me to that world when it comes to the gambling space. Like, I mean, I understand the premise as a gambler myself, but could you expand on the word community? Because I think it's the content piece. A lot of the companies I speak to out there that they don't fully understand. Well, you, you got to find the people that would want to ride with you. You know, there, you can, I look at, um, musicians. There are, I mean, the, the, I, maybe the most famous two, two famous, no, the most famous group that has like a diehard most famous artist with a diehard fan base that travels with them is the grateful dead and the deadheads for decades have been traveling around and then more you're in my era is fish like people would in in our high school and university fish, college yeah. days people would be like touring with the band like i'm not saying sn bets is there now but i would love to have uh you know a group of 
2,000, 5,000, 10,000 people that are super hyper engaged with our brand that we could be like, hey, we're going to watch the Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs at this bar or we rented out this space in Montreal, come ride with us. We're gonna have, and then boom, a bunch of people come with us. I, I've seen what groups like the FaZe Clan have done or the Nelk Boys have done more like even Jake Paul has, who is, you know, uh, um, Jake Paul is kind of like a, a lightning rod in, in the Gen Z, the Gen Z community. Cause he's, they probably think he's really cool, but people sure. older than Gen Z's or millennials be like, I loathe this guy, but people really ride for Jake Paul. So, um, seeing what certain artists have done and certain communities of gamers or, um, other content creators that put out, um, amazing videos, be it Mr. Beast or do perfect. Like I'd love to replicate some of that magic and bring it to sports and sports betting and have that be the foundation of our community. Is there one thread you identify that all those people are nailing, whether it's the Nelk boys, whether it's Jake Paul, the secret sauce sort of that they have? I know you, as I've said, you're a smart dude. You've got your finger on the pulse of things. Is there one thing that you see that stands out? Now, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but I'm interested in it. Well, no, no. I, I, listen, I and because they're they're Canadian, the Nelk boys have done a phenomenal job with their brand. They're a full lifestyle culture brand. They started out doing pranks. Uh, hey, do you want to buy some Coke? And they have a trunk full of Coca-Cola and they were like asking police officers in Venice Beach or whatever their first viral video to becoming this lifestyle brand. They're into vitamins and they're into seltzers and their podcast is huge. They've had Elon Musk has been on it, which is, I mean, he doesn't do a ton of interviews, but like it was, I watched one with Mark Cuban. It was excellent. And like face clan for gamers, they're the best in class and they can mobilize their audience. They have a phase house, which would be dope at some point to do a SM bets house or a loft. Like I, 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 you know, what, what's the line? Um, uh, what is it? Good artists borrow great artists steal. I know there's a line in betting, which is good teams win great teams cover. It, there's a similar edict when it comes to uh, borrowing and stealing from artists. So uh, I'm going to take a little, I'm going to be like Tarantino, take a little piece here, take a little piece there, take a little piece over here, and then try to make my own little gumbo or whatever it is, my own little uh, secret sauce. Little gumbo. I like that. Uh, you know, this came up in my feed the other day as I was preparing to do this interview. I follow you, obviously, on all the socials. It was you doing an unboxing of a Kobe Bryant card. Now, I got a little emotional watching it. Uh, maybe that's just a statement on me. But why was that moment so special for you? And what's this card actually all about? Okay, so for, I mean, people who are, you might, I don't know if you add B-roll to these interviews for anybody who's watching on YouTube, but for audio, um, uh, a Canadian dude does these custom collectible cards. And I don't know, Ryan, where is that market now? Because like in 2020, collectible cards blew up, retail, like retail traders, that blew up. 
And then crypto and NFTs was blowing up through 2021. And then I did the card market crash. We know that like the stock market didn't crash, but it had like two big dips, one in 2020, one in 2021. And then crypto is, is it right now in a dip? It's, it's so weird how these things like, like hyperinflate and then they go back to levels of, you know, before the back to, yeah, back to a baseline or get, gets back level base set. And then they so go, they go back up. This Canadian dude, I think the brand is called uh, hooked on cards or his company reached out. I'd love to make you a card. And, and then actually he DM'd me some cards and I saw this, this one with Kobe. I'm like, I need that one. And I have this really cool, uh, or I had this really cool relation with Kobe on camera. We weren't really, friends off camera. The only time we've hung out off camera was at a dinner in LA. Like, I don't know, I guess it would be 10, 12, no, like 12 years ago. It was in 09. And it was, I was at this dinner where I pitched him the idea to fly in his helicopter. And I know that sounds weird because that's how way he left us. But, um, he gave wow. me the only interviews ever done in a helicopter. And that was in 2009. Uh, and it was because I brought I pitched him that idea at this dinner. So just seeing, so like, I don't know. So the front of the card is like, you know, he, he cut out like uh, the, the NBA logo from a Jersey added that to the card, cut out a Kobe, you know, hero pose from a different card and made it, you know, a one of one. And on the back, he had this moment uh, with Kobe and I, where I'm like leaning on his shoulder. It was at the NBA all-star game when he was honored by all of basketball. It was his final all-star game. So 2016, and then I had this photo of me <laughs> like, so I'm leaning on his shoulder cause he's six, six and I'm six feet tall. And I got my eyes closed as though I'm like in love with this person. Uh, and that was, so it was, it was special to me to see, to have the front of the card and then have this moment on the back. When it comes to betting, like what's your advice? Okay, wait, you I got I got to say well, I've listened to it was, it was a maybe it was a pod like 2 months ago. I think I texted you about this. How you and Anthony were talking about like player props were not the wave. Player props are absolutely the wave. In 19 In 2019 when then? I first got to Vegas, uh the the manager, no, he was the senior odds maker at Caesars Sportsbook. His name is Allen Berg. He told me that the anytime touchdown market was exploding. That's in 2019. It is like, I don't know if it's quite mainstream, but it is, it continues to explode because it is the easiest way into betting on player props. Will this person score? Yes or no? Will this person hit a home run? Will this person score a goal? Will this person score a touchdown? And I guess in basketball is, will this person score 20 and a half points or three and a half over three and a half, three pointers, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Whatever uh, stat or category you or want assists for or whatever it is basketball. Um, but it's, it, it is hugely popular. You, you know, they're usually plus plus money. And except if you're like, I don't know, Devonte Adams or Jonathan Taylor or Derek Henry, you're getting, or Cooper cup, it's minus money, but generally all of the anytime touchdown props are plus money. And they're just an easy entry into, uh, into, um, sports betting. And when this dude, this dude, okay, he was working at Caesar. So he had metrics and information that I was not aware of because he had institutional knowledge of that business. So when he planted that seed in 19, I was like, oh, and then just in my circle of friends, 
that was the wave. And first touchdown parlays are the wave. First basket parlays are the wave. They are basically impossible to hit. That's why you'd only want to wager one, two, maybe $3 on these tickets, but they have huge payouts. And as you know, parlays are sucker bets. They have these fat payouts, but they're, you might hit one, one in 3000 tries for something substantial, like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, or like the dream is turning a $5 bet to like a $2,000 bet. The dream for a casual or novice better. Now, I mean, the ultimate dream would be like some ridiculous $3 parlay to win you a million bucks, 15 legs or 20 legs of improbable outcomes. That's obviously the dream, but those things are one in literally millions. So when Cabby walks into a sports book or opens up an app, is this what you're leaning into? You are. Wow. One, 1,000%. 1, I, I, I probably, I probably wager on player props 95% of my wagers. Now that's just me. Cause I enjoy rooting for success and I'm one of these optimistic betters. Maybe I'm stupid. I always root for the overs. You want to see offense. You want to root for action. If you, if you bet on unders, you're basically rooting for disease, famine, hurricanes. Like you're rooting for destruction. Nothing. You're like, you're immediately sweating the outcome of the game because you, you don't want this player to exceed the prop established by the sports book. So I'm an optimist by nature. So I'm always rooting for the overs on, on my player props. So yeah, that 95% of my wagers are player props and usually two or three leg parlays mix a couple. Sometimes I have a little baseball mixing with a little football hockey is around the corner. Basketball's around the corner. Once we hit October, November, the, the world series might leak into November this year because they missed a, it was a, a work stoppage on the front end of the baseball season. So November could be bonkers. October is going to be bonkers with all four sports in in uh in effect at the same time you've got the world cup in there too oh my gosh yes the world cup in november Woo boy checking account's gonna take a beating bro it's gonna be a lot of fun you have to come back on the show we I, we barely scratched the surface on this we didn't even get a chance to talk to about a, a common friend uh what it was like to work with kelly in vegas she's a g kelly stewart is a g and like one of the most informed people that I've ever met. She taught me so much about betting in the short time that we worked together. I am so grateful for Kelly Stewart in that way. In that regard. And I'm grateful for you, my man, for joining us on Guaranteed Money. Thank you so much, sir. You got it, homie. Hey, thanks for watching. This is the part where we put you to work just a little bit. So like, subscribe, and of course, tap the bell to get alerts for when new content comes out. Leave a comment if you can. And if you really liked what you saw, share it on social media, won't you?